Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, I pointed out to you last week that it's amazing how blessed we can be and yet how ungrateful we can be. The blessings are all around us and what we find ourselves doing is walking right past them on a daily basis, not even recognizing or realizing that there are blessings, there are good things happening to us all the time. And I pointed out that the reason why that happens, and it doesn't matter if it's... um, Winning the lottery or the new car, the new job, the new home, the new whatever, um, that wears off because of a thing called uh, hedonistic adaptation. We get used to it, and all those new things aren't new anymore, and they become normal, and that's why we look beyond them. And so what I want to do is help us get beyond that negativity bias, get beyond the hedonistic adaptation, And look at things the way God asked us in his word to look at things. And and spend more time finding our blessings. As I pointed out last week, they're there. They're all over the place. We just have to look for them. And um, the reason why we do this is because of gratitude. Here's what we know. Gratitude changes us. It changes us um, physically. Um, If you have the ability to be grateful for things, your blood pressure goes down. It changes us mentally. You're able to think about things clearer. It It changes your relationships. I mean, there's nothing worse than that person at work that comes in and is the most ungrateful person that you've ever met in your life. I mean, matter of fact, you probably see them walking through... Uh, wherever you work, and you like avoid them because if you get too close, they like suck all of the positive energy, all of the gratitude that's in your life out, and they ruin the day, the week, the month, maybe the year. We see gratitude if we can embrace this, if we can find it, turns whatever we have into more than enough. So instead of looking at that, there's not enough there, gratitude shows us that not only is it there, but there's more than we expect it to be there. It unlocks so many positive qualities in our life, but the problem with that is the tragedy of this is that most of us will never experience a true heart of gratitude. Why is that? Well, um, I don't have the exact answer other than this, that that's not what God's Word tells us to do. And so today, and this is week two, and we have 51 days left in 2018. All right, last week it was 58, 51. It's going to go down next week. And most people wait until January 1st to start thinking about what 2019 is going to be like for them. What they're going to do, what they're going to accomplish, what they're going to get rid of. And here's what I would tell you. If you wait until then, you'll probably have waited too long. Start now. You've got 50 days left where you can plan how that 2019 can be an incredible year for you. And I think one of the key components to having such a powerful year is going to be able to experience a heart of gratitude. Well, for us to experience a heart of gratitude, we need to think differently. 
Now, I spelled that that way just to uh, bother those of you with OCD. And, um, but the reality of this, for us to think, T-H-A-N-K, differently, we have to think differently. We have to have a different perspective on the way that we look at things. And last week, what I shared with you was that um, find your blessings because they're there. But here's the reality. Um, if we don't change the way we're thinking, if we won't change the perspective with which we view our lives, what you'll find out is you'll continue to walk by the blessings. And I shared with you, there was three things that we needed to experience gratitude. And that was the benefit, and we walk by them daily. That was the benefactor. More often than not, that's God. He says that all good things come down from heaven. And then there's the beneficiary, and that's us. And if we don't realize that we have a benefactor or a benefit, we won't realize that we are the beneficiary of those blessings in our lives. And so each week, what I'm wanting to do is share with you three things. One is a biblical principle. The second is a biblical context of that principle. And the third thing is, what should our biblical response be to this? And so this week, the biblical principle is this, that we need to be able to find the good when bad is all around us. You know, I don't know if you understand how hard it was for a lot of people to grasp what I said last week, and that is, find your blessings. They're right there. And we miss it. Sometimes we just don't see those as blessings until they're gone. This week, what I want to challenge you is this, to find the good in your life, even when you're surrounded by bad. Because that's a lot harder than to just find the blessings that are all over the place. Because you're going to have to look a lot harder than just looking for the good things that are happening to you. Jesus, or the Bible tells us this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. It says to give thanks in all things, all our circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For who? For you. That's everybody in here. Includes me. God's will for my life is that I have the ability to give thanks in all my circumstances. Give thanks when I win the lottery. Give thanks when I don't win the lottery. Give thanks when I get the new car, the new house, the new job, the new grandson. And give thanks when I don't get the new. Well, not only do we want to give thanks in all our circumstances, but see, not all of our circumstances seem to be good. Matter of fact, I'll bet that all of us could, if, you, if I came up and gave you the mic, you could lay out a very strong case of that there's bad things going on in your life. There are bad circumstances that are happening to you, around you. But see, the scripture doesn't say, give thanks in all good circumstances. It tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in the good circumstances. Give thanks in the bad circumstances. Give thanks in the, hmm... The blah circumstances. We're to give thanks. But you know that's easier said than done. It's a whole lot easier to get up here and talk about giving thanks. It's a whole lot easier to, to talk about and tell somebody else that they need to give thanks in the bad times. But you know, that's what, exactly what God wants us to do. And, and how do I... Well, let me give you the biblical context of this. If you turn over to Acts 16, I'm going to start reading a verse... 16. 
And it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer. So we believe that the author of the book of Acts is Luke. If you read earlier in uh, chapter 16, he tells about how that they've been traveling around. And now they are living in the house of Lydia. And so Lydia was a wealthy woman. And she was not a Jew. She was a Greek. And she um, and her family had recently um, been brought to salvation. And she had asked that uh, Paul and Silas and all those that were traveling with him, in this case Luke, that they would stay in her house. And, and it wasn't a house like we think of. They had compounds back then and probably 50 people. So when it says Lydia and her household were saved, it was probably 50 people that were saved um, at one time. And so um, they're there living with Lydia, and it says, We were going down to the place of prayer, which was down by the river that they had uh, just identified a little solitude area. And we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now, many of you are probably wondering, you know, um, I've seen that uh, at 2 a.m. in the morning on some of the TV channels. That there's, and, you, and you probably ask the question, can people really tell the future or predict? Well, um, there are evil spirits all throughout this, this world. And yes, that there are people who can do things like that. And um, they do that not through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so that reality was there um, in the first century B.C., and it's still around today. And this uh, particular young lady, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. In verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Isn't that interesting that here you have a demon-filled um, young lady who made money for her masters by fortune telling... And here's the fortune. Here was what she was predicting, that these were the servants of God. Listen to what they have to say. And so she kept this up many days. Finally, Paul became, I don't know about you, but I, like, this is a breath of fresh air when I hear about somebody in Scripture doing things that, like, I do. Okay, so... um, I don't know how many of you are golfers in here, but I get frustrated when I watch golf on TV because all they ever show are the best shots. I'm like, I get one of those a year, and like, this is nothing but all they do for three hours. And so sometimes I think a lot of us, we read scripture, and we think about just like that. All we see are the perfect people. We see Mary, and an angel comes to her and says, you have been chosen to bear the Savior of the world. And she said, yes. That's what we remember. When we think about all of the disciples, we think about all of their highlight reels, all the great things that they've done. But this is one of the the times where Paul wasn't quite the spiritual pillar that we would expect. And she kept this up for many days in verse 18. And finally, Paul became so annoyed. I've been so annoyed before that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Verse 19, Uh uh-oh. It's okay to do God's will until you affect people's pocketbooks. Because here's what happens. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them. Hang on. They seized them, they grabbed them, and they drug them into the marketplace. 
And here's what they said. These men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. I don't know if you understand what the culture was like back then, but they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have social media. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have cell. They didn't have the way that they communicated was messengers. And so what would happen with somebody like Paul who was making an uproar everywhere he went, there would be people that were assigned to stay with Paul in that group. Wherever they go, you go, and then you send somebody and tell us what's going on. And these were the people who were stirring up the crowd when they were taken uh, prisoner. And so here they are. They're stirring up the crowd. Um, Paul gets beaten and Silas and he get thrown into jail. And the story has been told that, hey, you better watch these guys because they have this tendency to get out of things like this. And so that's why this jailer, he says, verse 24, when he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell all the way in the back and fastened their feet in stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Now, I don't know if you're getting the picture here, but it's probably about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning when they decide to do the baptism. Could you imagine that, getting a phone call? And I say, hey, Rick, I need you to go fill the baptistry up. You're not going to believe this, but I've been in jail all night, and something weird has happened. And then so he starts calling everyone and says, look, we're going to have a baptism at the church here at 4.30. Would you get up and come to it? Now, I get it. Uh, Sunday, 11.30 in the morning, you say yes. I would argue that 4.30 on that day, you're going to question God's will for you to be at that baptism service. And so this is what's going on at 4.30 in the morning. The jailer and his entire household, and remember, this isn't the jailer and his wife and two kids. This was his entire household. The fact that he was a jailer meant that he was someone of prominence. And he, again, his compound was the jail. And they got saved, and they got baptized that very night. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Verse 35, when it was daylight. So it wasn't until they're having breakfast 
that it becomes daylight. And there was a message sent to the officers, to the jailer, with the order, release those men. You see, the reality is this, that bad things happen in our lives. I can't. Bad things happen in my life. I'm confident that everyone that I see sitting here in front of me, bad things are probably happening right now in your life. But see, 1 Thessalonians doesn't change. It still tells us to be thankful in all of the circumstances. So I think our biblical response should be this, that we need to be able to thank God for who he is. And that means to be able to praise him in the chains. So what does thanking God look like? Well, I'm going to read two two different passages to you. And the first one's in Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. If you've ever wondered why you come to church and we have a song service, this is why. Because this is our admonition that we are to speak to each other through psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Do you know who the author of the book of Ephesians is? It's Paul. The very same guy who was in prison. See, it's, you know, it's easy for us as preachers to get up here and say this from the pulpit. Thus saith the Lord. But see, Paul, he practiced it. When he's in prison, having just been beaten, having just been whipped, and what did he do? He sang songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And they did it so loud that all the other prisoners were hearing what was going on. He did it so loud that his heavenly father heard what was going on. Second verse I want to read to you is Hebrews 13, 15. Through him... Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Folks, we can't get around this. If you have a, so you you may be asking yourself, well, I wonder if I have a heart of gratitude or not. I'll tell you if you do or don't. Are you walking down the, the aisle whistling or humming or singing? Uh, Romy and I were hanging out here a little bit uh, on uh, Saturday night, and we were having a little bit of uh, a sing fest going on, all right, through the, the thanks of uh, iTunes and a little Bose speaker. And then what was interesting was after one of those songs would play, then all of a sudden one or the other would be either humming it, singing it, or whistling it. And we kind of just laugh because it, it, it stuck. So if you wonder if you have a heart of gratitude, do you find yourself singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? If you do, I would tell you you're probably on the right track. If you don't, because I'll bet you have some songs when things are going bad that you like listening to. It just helps you feel better down there in the muck and the mire. That's the power of music in our lives. But it says that we need to praise God even when we're in our chains. And so here's what I would like to ask you. What do your chains look like? I know what they look like for Paul and Silas. But what do your chains look like? Maybe they look like health problems. 
See, your chains aren't like, and if, if you wear these at home, if you'll reach out to me, I'll help you. We've got resources that can get you out of that kind of environment. But most of you, your chains aren't like this. You can't see them. You can't hear them. But your chains are just as real as the ones that are on my hands right now. And your health is in such a way you ask, how can I praise God with what's going on? I don't know. But I believe in a, the God, the creator of the world, who says that, that we can do all things through Christ. And you're going to need Christ's help to be able to praise him when you're in the chains. Maybe it's not health issues. Maybe it's finances. Man, you're as healthy as they come, but not on the bank account. How do you praise in an economy like we have now where you got to have money to get around, to be able to live a life that's normal? I don't know, but I can tell you that Jesus has promised us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I bet you know of people who God has miraculously worked in their lives. But maybe he's waiting until you praise him in the chains before he lets them go anywhere. Maybe the chains are a relationship that you're in. That you can't get out of. And you wake up and all you can think about is that. But what God tells us is to praise him when we have the chains. Why? Well, I believe he wants us to do this because three different people need to have us praise God when we're in the chains. First of all, God needs us to praise him. Do you realize that you were created for a purpose, on purpose, and with a purpose in mind? Every one of us here. You are not here by mistake. The reason God has, has a design on your life, and if you don't know what it is, that's one more reason to be praising God in the chains, to get a little bit closer. See, all of us have a gift and a calling on our life to do great things for God. But most of us think that God saved us so that we could sit here in the church. And my challenge to you is that God didn't save us just to sit, but he saved us to serve a greater cause than ourselves. It is much bigger than us. It's much bigger than everybody in here put together. And here's what I believe, that God is ready to do more through you than you think he can. But here's the problem, that most likely it's going to hurt you more than you think it will. Can you, like Paul, praise him in the chains? <laughs> if you're like most people, if you're like me... Your attitude stinks when you think about the chains. i got to tell you, I'll be honest, that when, when the chains of life do their thing and I hear them clanking around and doing whatever, and all I do is think about them and I moan and I groan and I forget. First Thessalonians 5, 18 says to be thankful in all circumstances. You mean i got to be thankful in that relationship that's toxic? That's what the Bible tells us. doesn't mean you got to stay in it. But you got to be thankful for what God is going to do in you, through you, and with you because of it. 
Does that mean I got to be thankful when my heart health is failing? When I get the, the, the worst news possible from the doctor? That's what our God tells us to do. It's not easy. Do you think it was easy for Paul and Silas, having been beaten, to be able to praise God and sing psalms and hymns so that all the other prisoners could hear that? Well, you know, not only does God need to hear us praise him in the chains, but there's someone close to you that needs to hear him praise you in the chains. There was somebody close to Paul that needed to hear him praise him. Maybe it was one of the other prisoners, but I know about a certain guy that was a jailer that needed to hear Paul praise him in his chains. Because if Paul wouldn't have intervened, he would have killed himself. But instead of killing himself, what ended up happening? He and his entire household were saved. And this was a big deal because this was at a point where the gospel was just transitioning from the Jewish community into the Gentile community. Into, and you understand, almost, I, don't, I don't know all y'all's background, but I think all of us are Gentiles in here. If that wouldn't have happened, we couldn't be here worshiping today. And just like that jailer needed Paul to be singing and praising and honoring and glorifying God in the chains. After he had been wrong, he got beaten for casting an evil spirit out of a young lady. He got thrown in the jail because he did what was right. But yet the Bible tells us to thank him in the chains. It's a couple years ago. Uh, me and my youngest son were going through a challenging time. I don't know, as parents, you probably have had the perfect relationship with your kids. But um, I'm a type A personality, and my son wasn't. And so when he graduated from high school, uh, we didn't see things eye to eye all the time. And he didn't like the my way highway type of mentality. And so our, this is what our relationship sounded like. And then we just butted heads. And for a year and a half, our relationship was non-existent. You think I enjoyed that as a father? I hated it. Despised it. About three years later, me and my son are sitting down at a Ruby Tuesday. And we start talking about that time. Three years later... Some of you all are in a relationship like that, and it's 10 years later, and you need to get the Ruby Tuesday with them. And you need to talk about what's going on. Because here's what's interesting. I was going through a challenge in my life, one of the hardest that I've ex had experienced up to that point in my life. And my son knew nothing about that. And so... It, 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 as we're talking, they're across the table with each other at Ruby Tuesdays. And I'm sharing with him how much I love him and how, you know, all of those things that happened when we were fighting, arguing, hating on each other. And, and then he, I, I talked a little bit about what I was going through during that stage of my life. And my son said this. He said, I wish I would have known that, Dad. Because I would have behaved differently. 
And here's what I'm telling you, that there are people that are close to you that are in your life and they don't know that the chains are on you. They don't know how hard your life is. They don't know what the bad time that you're going through looks like, feels like. But if they did, they wouldn't be treating you the way they are. If they did, when they go through it, because have you ever had this happen where like you share something, you're like, I'm not, I would never ever tell anybody, I don't know why I'm going to say this. And then you share it and then there's three people in the room say, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just said that because I'm going through the exact same thing. And now all of a sudden it transforms your relationship with them. Okay, okay. Smart watches are a little too smart. Thank you, Siri. Someone else that's close to you needs to hear about your chains. Not only that, but they need to see you praise God with the chains on. Not after the chains are gone. Because, I mean, it's great for us to hear about Paul's testimony and his story about being beaten for the name of Jesus and yet praising his name. There's folks in your life that aren't ever going to read the story five years from now, and they need to hear about it right now. They need to hear about what's going on to you, what's happening. So, because what you don't know is they're going through something very similar or the exact same thing. And they need to see somebody live out the principles that God has put in Scripture. You know, uh, we read the Bible all the time, but our problem is sometimes we just don't live it. The third person that needs to hear you praise him in the chains is yourself. See, here's what was happening when Caleb and I were experiencing our difficulties. My life verse at that moment was Romans 5, 3, and 5, 3, 3 through 5. Let me read this to you. Hopefully the picture will come up on the slide. But this is a picture that I created. I literally just pulled this off my phone because this is, this is special to me. It says, there's more to come. Romans 5, 3 through 5. This is the message. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Because at that moment, I was hemmed in with troubles. But yet, I was too proud to share that with my son. Because we know how the troubles can develop passionate patience in us. And how that the patient in turn forges tempered steel of virtue. Keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Paul understood what it was like to find your blessings. Not only did he find the good blessings that happened to him on a daily basis, but he was able to find the blessings when he was surrounded by bad. It doesn't just have to be Paul who experiences this. It doesn't just have to be Paul who in the middle of the night and the earthquake happens and the shackles hit the ground. Folks, we serve the same Savior. We serve the same God who allowed that to happen. But God has asked us to th give thanks in all circumstances. And until we learn to give thanks in all circumstances, 
if we won't follow that little piece of advice from God, he's probably just waiting for us there. This is where I learned this 30 years ago. I'm in Bible college. And I don't know, here's what my change looked like in Bible college. My Ford Escort had broken down. You know, the one with the hood. It had broken down. Now, I know some of you guys don't like Ford, but when you're a college student and, and when it's running, you love Ford. All right? When it's found on the road dead, which it was at the moment, it's not such a great vehicle. Here's what had happened. I was in chapel, and the pastor got up and spoke, and he said that you need to thank God before he answers the prayer that you're praying. And I'm like, uh... I'd like to get the car working, and then I will, I will be up at the front of the altar and praise his name. And, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that I needed to learn to thank God before he fixed the car. See, you need to learn to thank God before the chains hit the floor. You need to learn to thank God while they're on there. Why? Because God needs to hear that from you. Why? Because there's somebody close to you that needs to see that when you were going through the thick of it, you didn't whine, you didn't complain, you didn't bellyache, or if you did like I do, you, you, you waited a couple days or weeks and then you got it right and then you went back to the verse and then you started to sing and praise God with the chains on. Because what happened was I started thinking, God, I said, Lord, I don't know why, I don't even understand this, I don't even know if I believe that this is really what I'm supposed to do, but Lord, I, wanna, I don't understand what you're going to teach me through my car being broken down because I can't get to work. But thank you. Thank you. So I called work and said, I can't come in today. I can't get there. You go, why? I said, my car's broken down. Well, I just happened to be working at an auto parts store. And the guy that I called was a manager. He says, uh, where's your car at? I told him, and he says, I'll be there in 15 minutes. 15 minutes later, this is... Pops the hood, goes under there, does something, says, try it now, and it started up. Now, if I would have stayed in my sulky, bad, I hate the world attitude, I probably would have never called work to even give them the courtesy that I'm not coming in. I probably wouldn't have heard from the answer to my prayer. But what I learned was that if I'll thank God before that all happens, Because what happens when you thank God before he answers a prayer? What is that an example of? Say it louder. Say it louder. Faith is a big deal in, in our world. That's why he wants us to thank him in all circumstances. Because it demonstrates faith. It says, by faith, Noah... found confidence from God. And then there's a chapter in Hebrews that goes through the hall of faith about the heroes that we've seen live the scripture by faith. I understand that you, you, you will praise God when the chains hit the floor, but what I'm telling you is that I don't think they're going to hit the floor until you start praising God. And you know what might happen? They might not hit the floor. It might not be an earthquake at midnight and 
the whole world turns upside down. Maybe God wants you to keep those chains. I don't understand. But I do know that the three people who do need you to praise him with the chains on, you'll never regret it. Gary, if you'd come up and start to play softly. Let me just ask you this question. Maybe you're like the the jailer. That you've lived a a pretty good life. You've got a pretty good position. But the one thing you don't have in your life is Jesus Christ. Or you've got him so far down in your priority list that you you might as well not have Jesus Christ in your life. But the Bible tells us when this jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? It's the gospel. And the gospel is this, that the creator of the world sent his only begotten son who came, matter of fact, it says he he thought it not robbery to be in the form of God and he came down as a man and he lived a life, lived a perfect life. And at the end of his life, he was offered up as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. says he's experienced temptation like every one of us. No one has experienced a temptation that Jesus Christ didn't. Whatever you're going through, whatever the chains look like, Jesus has been there. And I can tell you this right now, that he's right there with you now. But what he's looking for is for you, just like that Philippian jailer, to call out. To recognize that, that Jesus paid the price of our sins. And not only did he pay the price, but three days later, that's why we're here. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He has taken captive death, pain, and all forms of disease. And he's ready to take captive in your life, if you'll give your heart to him. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.